who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Thanks, Mark. Well, good morning. Hey, welcome. Great to see you. Um, what a wonderful uh, service it's been. I got here after the music because I was down at St. Mary's, but just what great sharing and prayer. And wow, that's fantastic. Uh, so, um, what do you think of that Bible reading? Great story, hey? Just a great story. Uh, really wonderful, rich. Um, but here's the question for you and for us. Is uh, that just a story for then and there? Or is it also a story for here and now? So uh, that's what we're going to explore today. And uh, I, what my plan was, if you read the email update, uh, that may explain why some people aren't here. Um, if you read the email update that I sent, what I, what I was really convicted of as I thought about this and prepared for today was that it's very easy for us as cerebral Anglicans or just cerebral people to think a lot about topics of God and healing and so on, but it's sometimes not as easy to actually step out and live it and do it and be it. So... Um, I thought that's what we should do today. So you can't have a sermon on, and read that Bible reading and have a sermon on healing without asking God to give us an experience of healing in the here and now. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to make a few comments. I said I'd do this. Uh, someone, people are very rude in this church, I have to say. I made this comment to someone. I think it might even have been in a staff meeting or in the office, I said, well, I'll just do like a five-minute intro to healing and then we'll do some prayer. And this person who will remain nameless, Eliza Liedow, said, Mark, that'll take you at least 15 minutes. <laughs> because there's a lot to say here. This text is full of uh, information. Uh, if you're a small group leader, I sent you out study guide on Friday with a big, uh, an article attached with, uh, to help you unpack and think about this topic of healing. So really, in our home groups or small groups this week, it would be great to tease out some more of what's in this passage. But um, I wanted you to start. I wanted to start off by going, and we're going to have to. I'm not going to pass the mic around. I just want to say, have any of you in your own life had an experience of healing? Hands up. I see that hand. I see that hand. Okay, there we go. Now, um, let me ask you another question. Uh, I'm assuming for those of you who didn't put your hands up, what you're really saying is you've actually, up to this point in your life, never been unwell. Or you are currently still suffering from the disease that caused your unwellness. Well, no, no, of course. Because actually... We all experience healing a lot of the time, don't we? Um, and we experience it in all kinds of ways. So I wanted to make this point right up the front that when we hear this text and when we think about healing in the church, we very often jump straight to faith healing based on prayer and we think of it as a particularly a physical biomedical phenomena. 
just bypassing anything in the natural, and it's just a supernatural thing of faith, right? So that's what I assume when I ask that question, that's what most of you are thinking of. And I'm wonderfully encouraged that some of you have had that experience. But actually, we all experience healing. Uh, because healing is not just this thing about what happens below the skin, right? That's a, how we understand healing and sickness is very culturally determined. And in our culture, when we think of healing, we almost always think of it just as a, a biomedical, underneath-the-skin kind of healing. But the first century, when this text was written, and the Bible itself has a much bigger vision of what healing and wellness looks like. So uh, let me think. Let's, there's at least four ways in which we are healed or, or need healing, right? So here we are somewhat ambivalent, not sure if we're smiling or miserable, um, and we exist as whole beings in a web of relationships, which I'm going to draw very simply uh, like this. So uh, we have a relationship with the world as a whole, the created environment, right? We have a relationship with the creator of this world, the creator God. Uh, what else constitutes us? We're, we also have relationships with other people. People, right? And there's a fourth level of relationship. What else or who else do we have a relationship with? Ourselves. I think I heard that whispered, the sibilant S's coming from there. So we have a relationship with the self, with ourselves. When we read in the early chapters of Genesis how the world works, uh, it shows that we're put in this world, embedded in these relationships, and they're all meant to work. Uh, and what we find in Genesis 3, however, is that in fact, at every level, there's brokenness has been introduced into the world. So our relationship with the world is fragmented, isn't it? Like, life's hard earthquakes, disasters, thorns and thistles in our workplace, environmental degradation. Uh, we see that our relationship with God is fragmented, don't we? Like um, Genesis 1 and 2 paints a picture of God walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. How many of you have walked in a garden with God face to face and just hung out and chatted? No, yeah, yeah, B has, yeah, great. But, you know, I, and I suspect there's a, even in our closest moments with God, it's not quite what's on, on view here in Genesis 1 and 2. Uh, we also, uh, you know, we have another, our relationship with people are fragmented, aren't they? How many of you, we know this, I don't even have to ask the question. We know that every relationship is a mixture of wonder and joy and glory, but also it never quite works the way it's meant to work. People are disappointing, they hurt us, uh, they sin against us, they create evil and heartache, and so do we to other people. And then at the bottom of all of this, our relationship with ourselves is, is fragmented, right? Like we're full of shame and guilt. That which we want to do, we don't do, but that which we don't want to do, that's what we do. Who will rescue me from this body of sin and death, says the Apostle Paul, talking about the experience of Israel under the law. God's people try to live for God, discover that, that they're just conflicted. We hate ourselves and we love ourselves. We idolize ourselves and we destroy ourselves. 
and we're torn apart with conflicting desires and yearnings and longings. And all of this manifests at every level in physical dis-ease, in psychological dis-ease, in relational dis-ease, in environmental dis-ease. And the good news of Christianity is what? That Yahweh Rapha, the God who heals, is the God who comes to heal all of this. So healing in Scripture is seen as God breaking, coming into the world to actually renew and restore everything that has gone wrong with the world. In the Gospels, what we see is that at times this inbreaking uh, works out in the physical dimension. And we, our, our eyes as Westerns, we focus on that. So in, in, in the story we've read in, uh, in Acts 3, it's a congenital cripple who gets uh, miraculously or gets instantly completely fully healed as a result of prayer and the power of Jesus' name. But what we also see in the Gospels is that this breaking in of the kingdom, this restoration of all things, involves social inclusion, this guy can now go to church. It involves relational inclusion. It involves economic inclusion. So it's a healing at every level, but it includes the physical for sure. Now, uh, here's a question for you. In this story we read and in our experience of healing, who does the healing? Who does the healing? Where does the power for healing come from? This is not a trick question. It's a fairly safe Sunday school answer here. Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus of Christ of Nazareth. It's God who is the healer, right? God does the healing. And you say, yes, that's right. But notice this. If it's God who provides the power to heal, it's Peter who provides the hand. And I love this. I've been thinking about this all week. I just love this picture. Peter makes really clear it's all about the power of Jesus to heal, but he's still the guy who reaches out his hand and lifts him up. I think that's how God works in the world, don't you? We pray God is powerfully at work, but he uses us. We are the hands of God to bring healing in this world in all its fullness. And uh, by the way, this is, this is why there is, in my view, and I think biblically, there is no separation between uh, the God who heals through, through Peter lift, giving his hand and reaching out, and the God who heals through uh, antibiotics and the use of surgery. Is there? It's still the God who heals. It's just he's using different means to accomplish the same outcome. I remember when I was in medical school, uh, one of the lecturers making this point, which was very profound, and I don't think he was a religious guy, and he said, listen, in his strong South African accent, he said, listen, what you've got to realize is we as doctors don't heal anyone. He said, uh, it's actually, and he used, I still remember him, he said, it's a mystery how the body heals. What we do is provide the conditions that enable this mystery of healing to occur. And that makes sense, doesn't it? So uh, that's, we, we don't 
ultimately, no, we can understand the scientific processes that might, in certain circumstances, uh, bring about wellness in a patient. But, um, you know, why is it that the surgeon cuts and stitches, but then the wound heals? Do we really understand that? And, and why is it that some medicine works, some interventions work on some one person and they don't work on another? Uh, and we're, we don't, it's God who heals. So I think it's very exciting to say that when I see the world the way the Bible does, I see that God has a plan to heal all of reality and us, and he uses all kinds of means. He uses doctors who have no faith. He uses all kinds of weird stuff, and he uses the prayers and the hands of people. So what uh, B1 and B2, Belinda and the team are doing next Friday, I really believe that's, our, that's God and our hands going to be providing healing for some of the pain and brokenness in the kids in Ghana. But what we do when we go to work and we organize our offices so that um, there is a decrease in relational conflict in our workplace, right? Like that's God bringing healing at the relational level and he uses us, maybe a good employment lawyer, good contracts, good organization design, those kinds of things, right? When God, um, I don't know, when God uses a, a royal commission to shine the light on the abuse of vulnerable people by our financial services institutions. I, I, I think that's God healing our society, right? That's God at work through the Royal Commission and the lawyers and this, to bring accountability and remove impunity so that people who are vulnerable are not, don't have, uh, you know, that, that, there's, that lies are exposed and theft is exposed and justice is done. I think that's healing. Can I get an amen for that? Okay, just checking if you're still awake there. And I figure with the healing service, we've got to... Okay, are we, st we all awake? Okay, that's the theoretical five-minute uh, overview. Now, um, God also works through healing prayer. God works through healing prayer for sure. And we see that in this text and we see that in history. So every bit as much as God works through doctors, royal commissions, in all kinds of other ways, God works through prayer. And the particular privilege of the people of God, of people who have faith in Jesus Christ, is we have a privilege and a responsibility to be people who bring God's healing into others' lives through our prayers. Does that make sense? So let me ask you another question. How many of you have ever prayed for somebody to be healed? Physically, emotionally, relationally. Yeah, you have. Yeah, that's awesome. And we all, we, we do that instinctively. Whenever there's a school shooting, right? Everyone sends thoughts and prayers instead of gun reform to the US, you know? Like we all do that, right? Thoughts. But we all pray for people to be healed, and that's good. Let me ask you, let's narrow it down. How many of you have prayed in the way of Peter, laying a hand on someone with a specific prayer for a particular need that a person has at that point in time. How many of you have had that experience of prayer for people? Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so that's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, we're going to workshop praying together for people at a particular point in time with a particular set of need. Uh, now, I know that feels a little, that may 
I don't know. Maybe it doesn't feel awkward. We had a wonderful time at nine o'clock doing this. Uh, and, but, but there's a certain fear around this vulnerability, isn't there? When we pray out loud uh, and when we ask God to do something, it can make us feel very vulnerable. So uh, I, I get that. Um, but vulnerability is good, right? Like we never grow unless we lean into that. Um, we can also be really scared, can't we, that I might pray for someone to be healed and nothing will happen. I, that's what, that can be a real fear, can't it? And what do we do then? Well, I always think the stance with which we come to prayer is like a three-year-old child coming to their mum and dad and asking for stuff, right? Like you just go and ask in faith that, that mum or dad has all the power to give you what you want. And sometimes a three-year-old will get what they want. And what they want will coincide with what they actually need. That's when they get it. Sometimes a three-year-old won't get what they want because in mum or dad's judgment, what they want is not necessarily what they need. Now, three-year-olds don't give up asking easily, do they? No, they don't. I, that's right. They just keep on asking, right? And that's just the way it is. And the Bible says we should just keep on asking God. And sometimes we may think we're just whining or whinging, and actually the Psalms are full of prayers that look like whining or whinging, because we're saying to God, come on, Father, heal us, set us free, restore us, do this, do that, do the other thing, and it seems like you're not doing that, and the Psalms are just full of people keeping on, because that's what we're meant to do, and we do it going, there is a perfect loving Father who just wants to bless us, and sometimes what we want will be what we need, and but we always say God will look after us and give us what we need. Makes sense? So um, we're going to pray for each other. And what I'm going to do, the Bible says, it's really clear and that one of the, one of the beautiful things about this is we, we pray simply by laying a hand on somebody. And there's something powerful. The laying on of a hand is this kind of, it's this tangible, sacramental-like connection with the other person and a way that God flows through us into the other person and, and establishes some love between the other person. So what I would like, and I, I'm going to show you how to do this, what I'd love is someone who would like me to pray for them. We'll workshop this now. It doesn't have to be a big deal. If you just want, want to come down the front, and I can, I'll pray for you, and I'll, we'll workshop, and I'll talk through uh, how we might go about praying for somebody's healing uh, here and now. Someone want to come, and brave person want to come, and... If you need healing for anything. Luke, I see, I, sorry, B, Luke got in before you. Come on down, Luke. You've got to come here, though. Oh, and bring Caleb. All right. So, so um, here's... When someone comes to church or you're, you're sitting in a coffee shop and you're chatting with someone, everyone, this is Luke. There we go. Hey, Luke. Very good. Okay. Uh, you, ask, you might say, you, you know, firstly, you'd say, hey, I'm Mark, and you'd introduce yourself, and you're... Luke. You're Luke. Okay, Luke. That's awesome. So it's important. It's sometimes helpful to know their names, right? But let, let's assume you know their name. Uh, what I'd then do is I'd say, I'd say really simply... Um, you know, Luke, what, it, what is it? Is there, what is it that I could, uh, that, that's going on for your life that you'd like prayer for? I've had... Um, I'll just put this on. Yeah, yeah, just... It's I'll, quite formal now. No, yeah, yeah. I can yeah, yeah. people up the back in here. Uh, good, good, good. I've had um, social anxiety for 
probably good on 15 years now, um, which can be quite serious at times where I don't even leave the house, don't talk to people, don't answer phone calls. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you'd like me to pray for that? Yeah, please. I'd, I'd love to pray for that. Okay. So uh, thank you. No, I wouldn't say this, but I just want to honor you for your vulnerability in the front of all these people for that. And uh, given what you've just shared, this is huge, right? So uh, I'm going to invite us to pray for Luke now. And what I would normally do, I'd say something to him like, Luke, is it okay if I just put my hand on your shoulder to, to pray for you? Sure. Like you want to, if you, you just want to check first, so you're not, you know, and, and it's hand on the shoulder. And, you know, we just want to be respectful of people's boundaries. So, uh, and I will do this across genders as well, but very respectfully, uh, if need be. And, and then I'd normally say something like, um, while we're praying, do you just want to hold your hand out, or actually one of them if you can, and I'd say just, just hold your hand out to God while we pray, just as a sign that you really want to receive from God, okay? It's a really simple thing, but our bodies, what we do with our bodies matter. So, um, uh, Luke, I'm just going to pray for you now and ask God to, to heal your social anxiety right now. Is that okay? Would you, and would you like to pray with, with us as we do this? So let's pray. Lord God, I pray for Luke. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come upon him now and that you will heal his social anxiety. Lord, you are the God who made Luke. You are the God who knows every bit of his life. You know every bit of his emotional makeup, his brain chemistry, his relational context, and we just pray for healing, Jesus. We pray right now that, that this will be gone from him now and forever, and that you will set him free. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, sometimes what I'll do after I've prayed is I'll say, Luke, as, as we're praying, did, did any thoughts or words or impressions or feelings come to mind? Thoughts around how, is that on? Yeah. Thoughts around how helpful prayer can be, um, more quiet in my mind, in my soul. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So uh, here's the thing, right? Um, Luke, there's no, you, you may or may not notice things change, and you're welcome to come back for prayer, and God might have healed you dramatically. But I really believe that God always answers our prayers. So he's putting together the pieces of your life, and he's at work in your life. So um, that's a beautiful thing. Thank you so much. And uh, do let me know how it goes. All right. Thanks, brother. Yeah, give me a... All right. Thanks, Luke and Caleb, for that. Now... Uh, a few things to see uh, when we pray for healing, a few things to be aware of. Um, you don't have to yell, like God's not deaf. That's one thing. Now, if you're doing it in a coffee shop, you'll, you'll get this. Okay, you don't have to yell. Um, we also want to create a culture of honesty, right? Because uh, what can sometimes happen is that there is the person that we are praying for feels immense pressure to be healed, to validate your faith and their faith. Yeah, well, no, it's okay to not have any immediate healing. Um, you know, um, and it's okay for the healing to last for a time. And then, as it were, to need more. It's okay. So what we want is honesty and reality. Not, don't have to pretend 
Because what can happen, and I've heard this, this story, and it was recounted again, a story like this in our small group on Thursday night. Someone received prayer for an ailment. They get healed. And then six months or a year or two later, the ailment comes back. But now they're too embarrassed to tell anyone. Because like, well, maybe, maybe it didn't stick. Maybe it didn't work. Maybe my faith isn't enough, right? See, no, no, no. Like, God gave you relief from this for a while, and now it's back. That makes sense. So you want to be just natural um, and honest. And then uh, what you also want to do is um, never blame the other person or yourself or your lack of faith for the healing. That's a terrible thing, right? That's a terrible burden to put on anyone. Um, and actually, the, the root of that comes from a, a philosophical view that starts got popularized in the 1900s in the UK, in the US called New Thought. And New Thought said that our thoughts have power over the world. Uh, the religious version of that came into, into the, the church through Pentecostalism, that our thoughts and our faith is what heals us. But it's come in a secular version through the sort of positive a version of positive psychology and the idea that if you're really positive, your attitudes will change your sickness. You can, you can have better outcomes from your cancer treatment if you just stay positive. And, you know, that's just not true. They both, they, there's a secular and a religious version. They both put all the onus back on creating some mindset in the person and making them responsible for their sickness or wellness. Both are destructive and unhelpful. We, we don't want anything to do with that. Like, we don't understand most of what happens in the world, and that's certainly true in the area of sickness and healing, so we just pray. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to pray for each other. And uh, what I'm going to encourage you to do is uh, Joel's going to come. We'll have some music playing in the background so that it covers over any awkwardness. But I know right now that, that God wants to, to be present and to heal people because that's his heart. That's why we're here, right, to connect with God. So what I'd like is you to have at least a go with one person, maybe the person next to you, um, maybe in, in a little group of three, but, but this is the pattern I would love you to do, is to say, to find out who's next to you, say, is there one thing that, that you, could, you would like healing for? And then simply put your hand on their shoulder and pray specifically in the name of Jesus for that person to be healed. And then ask them how it went. And maybe pray a little more. And it could be physical, emotional, spiritual, relational. Make sense? Are there any questions about that? Do you feel a little nervous? A little unsure? No, no. Okay, I don't think you should. It's just normal and natural. And who knows what God will do, right? So if it's some... And please, just look around and make sure everyone is at least paired up with someone. I really do want everyone to have the opportunity to be prayed for, for healing today, and for everyone to have a, have a crack at it. What's the worst that can happen? Not everyone gets healed. Sandy Miller, the vicar of Holy Trinity Brompton for years, used to say, uh, before we started praying for people to be healed, no one got healed. After we started praying for everyone to be healed, some people got healed. And, he fig and he's talking about physical healing like this. So let's go for it. Uh, let's just pray. I'm going to pray, commit this to God. Lord, uh, overcome our nervousness. We believe that you are the God who heals. Release our faith now. Uh, help us to encounter you powerfully in our midst. And Lord, just heal and, uh, and all of us in whatever ways we need. Amen. Okay, go to it. Find someone. Let's pray that God is at work to bring healing right now.
You don't need their full medical history at all. You just need to find a need and pray for it. God, we reach out to you with our need. We pray for healing. Lord God, I want to pray that you will hear these prayers and you will answer them. Pray for healing for our church family. Pray that you'll fill us with joy. I pray that you'll bind up our broken hearts. You'll straighten our crooked limbs. You'll set our minds on things above. And you'll give us hope that with you, Heavenly Father, the best is yet to come. That you have a plan and a destiny and a purpose for our lives. And that nothing can get in the way of that. Nothing can stop your love and grace and healing power in our lives. Not Satan, not other people, not ourselves. That you are powerful and good. And you're at work even this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, uh, I've never taught this in a group that has as high a percentage of medicos per head of population. So uh, I think that's exciting and wonderful, that integration of faith and, and healing. So here's, what I, here's my conclusion. Um, I have a friend who's a clergyman who two weeks ago got on the phone to me and he said, Mark, I don't often do this, but um, I was praying yesterday and I had a vision uh, of you from God that God wanted to share with you. And he said, this, is, this was my picture. He said, Mark, what I pictured was you standing up in front of your church and saying to them, I can't do it by myself. And I've been thinking a lot about that. And that's really what's driven this morning because I thought, you know what? The body of Christ is to be a place of healing and it isn't about, I can't do it by myself. Now that's kind of obvious. But you all have the spirit of Jesus with you. You have the power. You have the authority. You have the privilege to pray for each other, to minister that deep healing into each other's lives. That's, what, that's God's vision for the church, right? Uh, and it, it can't be me. I just, uh, and I can't do it by myself. It's, God has to do it. We, we all have to do our bit. So I just felt this strong sense. I thought, thank you, that's this vision from God. And I said, I want to honor that and say, this is it, guys. We're, we're in this together, right? This level of healing. Um, and we're working against Anglican, uh, like a 
can't just be the clergy or the rector or the super spiritual person or even the small group leader. I would love it if this is just praying for people in this way became just part of what we did. You meet for coffee with someone, you talk about their lives, and, and you just say, can I just pray for you? And it could be just a 15-second prayer where we're just bringing God into all of our conversations and our daily working, right? That'd be pretty cool as we just weave that in and release God's power uh, in our lives through prayer. So that's my thinking. And uh, thank you for the privilege of working with you in this way this morning. And I do hope that, and I know, here's the other, my final thought, maybe my penultimate final, almost final thought. God always answers prayer, right? Like he really does. He's heard you. And he, it may not be exactly what you want, but God is at work, and that is wonderful. He's at work. These, this is what he says, Paul, uh, Peter says to the Israelites, repent, turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, complete forgiveness, and that times of refreshing may come. So isn't that cool? Just a season of refreshing in our lives from God. How good would that be? How many of us are tired? How many of us are broken? How many of us are weary? You say, Lord, may your season of refreshing come. And then the final blessing that is envisaged here is that the time will come when God will restore everything. In the future, everything will be restored. Everything will be healed.